working with murder. Forget about that. What do you think about trains? Trains? Trains. High-speed trains. I've been reading. The Japanese are gung-ho about high-speed trains. <clears throat> I have no idea what to say to that. Picture this, a woman. Looking at her controls of a car. She's overwhelmed. Tired of all the knobs, levers, and gizmos in your car. The simplicity of train travel. I assume that was your tag? Yes. Have you ever driven a car? They're not that complicated. They look complicated. Well, they're not. I did have one other idea. A man. You follow me? Stands. Scalpel. Open heart. Aorta. Boom, 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 boom. Blood. You wouldn't do open heart surgery on yourself. So why are you driving yourself? Why are you worrying about this? Look, trains make sense. They're efficient, they're convenient, they're good for jobs. Hell, I would rather take a train than fly or drive anywhere. We don't need to sell trains. We are paid to sell cars, floor wax, and brassiers. I'm just trying to do something good. You're not gonna get people to walk away from their cars overnight. We've been spending years telling them how sexy and powerful they are. You think it's a stupid idea? Parking was murder. Again with the parking. Well, no, that's how we sell it. No parking. No mechanics, no traffic jams. You have two guys. One is sitting on a train with his friends having a smoke, and the other one is stuck with an overheated car. Smoking car or smoking car? Save time, save money, save aggravation. What do you think about airplanes? Would you rather fly into Queens or take the train into Manhattan? Trains get you directly into the city. Great. So, you'll do all the artwork. Sure, but I think you can relax about this whole thing. I read a piece that said that in 40 years, gas is going to cost almost a dollar a gallon. You really think we're okay? I just... I worry that we might be betting on the wrong horse. Sir, do you have an authentic Stradivarius violin for sale? Are you in luck? We got one left. They've been going like hotcakes. Good. Here we are, the last one. How much? Uh, $50,000 today only. Well, sounds like a fair price, but how do I know that it is original without the signature? I'll show you. Look inside here. See inside there? Only Antonio Stradivari assigned his name in that peculiar way with a little rat tail on the end. See the little rat tail? I do not even see the rat. <laughs> here, here, look, 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 look again there. Look. I don't see nothing, nothing. And I, I will not buy it unless I see the signature. You gotta see the signature, huh? Right. <laughs> see that little right there? That is the signature. Well, I'll take it. Here's your check for $50,000. Oh, thank you. All right, sir. Here is your priceless This is Eugene Napick in Toronto. Welcome to episode 166 of the Agency Podcast. Uh, I'd like to dedicate this uh, this episode to uh, to Ruby, our sweet girl Newfoundland dog, who uh, has crossed over to uh, to where that where they send the really good dogs. Yeah, she's out there with Mangle. Okay, thanks, Eugene, and I'm sorry. And um, I'm glad you can make it tonight and that, to see you and hear you. And um, I've got a cup of tea. What have you got going on over there? Well, I found, uh, I found a can of <laughs> Simply Hone's Earnest Cider Dry with Honey, handcrafted, slowly fermented, dry, never from concentrate, <laughs> gently carbonated cider. Well, that sounds really good. I might have to at one point run over and get a little Jameson or something. Uh-huh. It yeah. actually isn't that good. This is oh. I like. I don't mind hard cider. Actually, I quite like it. But 
this particular one, I hate to say, although they have good stuff and a lovely label and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that actually means, not that yummy. It's a pretty snazzy label, black and white mm. background. I like it. Stripes. Well, Strongbow is so good. Love me some Strongbow. I haven't had mm. a Strongbow in ages. Yeah, they mix them time. in at our at our local liquor store here at our LCBO. Mm. They have a, a refrigerated room yeah. um, for all their craft beers, and they have more craft beers than you could even imagine existed wow. in the entire world. Yeah, just from Toronto, and they've got every <laughs> one of them. And then over in the corner, they have all the ciders, and and then they have another area with um, uh, other kinds of hard beverages. Cool. Cool. Very exciting. Yeah. Whoever, uh, whoever they have as doing their beer buying, he buys on steroids. That's crazy. Yeah. I think I, I think I've seen it and I think Stag spoke highly of it. You know, I don't know if you know this, but um, we have a little bit of an anniversary today. We do. Yeah. It was, is this, three... a, is this, is this three years? Yes. I knew it was around now because <laughs> our good friends at Podbean. Um, reminded me, well, actually what happened was I had it on kind of auto pay year by year. And uh, along the way, my credit card was compromised. Oh. And so when it tried to auto collect, it was unable to do so because it had a wrong credit card. So oh. I had to go in and figure out how to uh, how to update the payment method. You know, I had no idea that this podcast cost money. <laughs> It does. And that's why no we idea. have a Patreon page. That's correct. That is correct. Yes, exactly. Um, and we love I, our patrons. We do love our patrons at our Patreon page. And um, like I said, I guess a couple of weeks ago, we've got some ideas coming up of some good bling and swag. And that should be coming around the corner soon. Um, I was just going to try and see how many downloads we had if, um, if we'd gone up, but I, I didn't get a chance. Um, I think we're at uh, something like 12,100 yeah, downloads. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. So download yeah. away, people. That helps us. Yeah, um, we really do appreciate it. We love our we listeners. Do. We do. Now, I have somewhat of an email for us. Okay. We've asked people, tell us what you're watching, what you're thinking about, what you're doing. And we have an avid listener. His name is Tom. Hi, Tom. And he has written this. It came, you know, sometimes people text me something or, or, or do it, but this came through my email. Okay, so it starts like this. Remembering the best line from the August 16th, The Agency podcast, quote, I have been sewing like a motherfucker. <laughs> I know I said that. I must wish you a happy National Sewing Month. Inaugurated, imagine this, by President Ronald Reagan. Sewing Express, and this is a quote, Sewing expresses the best of human values. I found out about it from an assemblage of sewing books in honor of this laudable observance at the Seltzer Regional Branch of the Chicago Public Library, where I often attend author talks and other events. So, so, um, I looked it up. I couldn't believe that it was Sewing Month, and I was very, um, breaking into this letter, but I, I was also surprised about President Reagan, and he says something along the lines because to celebrate it, the proclamation is because it's such an important part of um, American culture. Sure. Yeah. And well, then. How, okay. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. How's the sewing going? The sewing's going good. I've had a little mini break. Well, no, because I sewed a caftan this week. I'm going to do some of the finished touchings. I have officially sold one or two. Yay. And they've been mailed off. I've had trouble with Etsy. I'm sorry, Tom, I'm breaking up your, your email here. That's so rude. But we'll get but back to it. We'll get back to it, Tom, and um, and listeners. But um, yeah, so I um, had a lot of trouble with Etsy. I, could, I, I loaded all these pictures. I put great descriptions. I thought I was doing a great job. <laughs> and then I went back a couple of days later to look at my, you know, site, and there was nothing there. So I was like, kind of feeling defeated, but I'll get back to it again. There's probably something like a save button. There's probably a save button and you know maybe i'm a little rusty um and i just didn't pay attention to that and i lost it but anyway those things will be around i've made a couple of, i've got a couple of new gauze ones and um i'm pretty excited 
uh, got a couple of new plans. I've got a, I've got some weird ideas for like, do you know what black pajamas are? No. Well, it's it's a part of a military when they go in all black, you know, with masks and everything. So I've got this one I'm designing that's going to be it's going to say army on it, but murdered out. And it's I'm gonna I have don't know how I'm going to do this, but I've got straps so you can raise it up and down the sides of the captain. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> so have you done your research? Uh, maybe we can ask our listeners: Do you wear PJs? Oh, I love that question. I personally, I personally wear <laughs> underwear. I sleep in underwear. <laughs> and now we have had too much information. Well, I always liked Marilyn Monroe because they asked her what did she sleep in, and she said Chanel Number Five. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the winter time, I I I go for underwear plus a t-shirt. Yeah, that's pretty good. I wear pajamas all the time. I've been known to get on the aircrafts with pajamas. I try not to do that too often, but I am not I am not afraid to wear um pajama bottoms out in public. <laughs> well, you and, and millions of other people these days, so it seems. Well, I was it's like a, a thing. You know, I was more into it in the 90s, to be honest with you. But I have not done that for a while because you well, know, that's because you're ahead of your time. That's right. And my family was kind of like, that's what jeans are for. <laughs> So I sleep. Naked. I actually recall, and I, I have to, I have to tell you this. And again, right. sorry, Tom. We've we've sort of digressed away from well, you. He inspired sort of, us. Uh, He's really your, inspired your, us. Your message for a moment. Um, uh, my mom said to me once, many years ago. I guess we had known each other just maybe a year or two in university, oh. <laughs> and you were over to the house, and, uh-huh. and my mom said, "That Kinky, she's really nice, but why does she wear her pajamas?" She said underwear. Did she say underwear? Yeah, I thought said, it was pajamas. Did, and she may no, have said underwear. She said, why does she go out in, in public in her underwear? Because uh. I had this great outfit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. It was black mesh, see-through mesh. And I wore it over a bustier or a bra and, um, you know, a tight like pencil skirt. And the, the, the mesh had a top that fit right to like a tank top. But then the skirt of the mesh was like a big... It was just like a loose skirt. And it's not one of the ones that Hobie made. Hobie made two outfits that I've talked about before that I wore to the bone in the same era. He had made a camouflage suit, a beautiful female suit with uh, brass buttons and stuff. And um, somehow, you know, I wore it to, a to uh, I guess it was a little fashion show at the club we worked at. And then I got to keep it. And um, I wore it till it was just about shredded. And the same as my black mesh Kind of like a lingerie dress. That and your your stiff records t-shirt. I you got a lot of wear record. out of that. I really did. I really did. And uh, I wore them to the bone. I was obsessed with them. <laughs> and I still am like that. I tend to wear, you know, I have a fair amount of clothes, but I tend to wear like five outfits obsessively over and over again. And um, I sleep naked and sometimes in underwear and sometimes in pajamas, but most of the time I, I sleep pretty like. But really, you prefer to have the pajamas for outdoor wear. I prefer to wear them around the house. I wear pajamas okay. a lot of times in the day. Um, just And, in, and, and I just have to say yeah. that, you know, you announced that you were learning to sew. Mm-hmm. And I blinked. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's like. 20 different caftans because <laughs> you're so fast. I can't believe how fast you are. You've got a whole line in the blink of an eye. Well, you know, they're not, they're not very complex designs. Ah, they, okay. Mm. It's pretty simple so far. Um, my idea for the black pajamas is going to be a little bit more complex. And, you know, I've started sewing um, hoodies on them and the hoodies are kind of challenging. I've got little pouches and hoodies and I haven't really mastered the hoodie quite yet i i sewed this um caftan yesterday a hoodie would be very cool it's very comfortable you know when you get out on the beach or it's cold on the lake you, you want a little bit of warmth right so it's you know normally i don't tell people this but my birthday is in december <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm gonna make you a caftan for sure <laughs> i'm going to make some cat i'm gonna make some custom custom caftans very shortly but let's leave that for a second okay can we get back to that you're going to find that out when you hear what i'm up to okay because um i'm going are we going to go back to tom we are that's what i was going to say okay so he's encouraged the sewing and i really loved it i love knowing that right now is national sewing month i just think that's delightful okay so i and now tom continues 
I have been watching the unfolding episodes of House of the Dragon, much in keeping with the original Game of Thrones series. Good cast, good writing, and of course, great sets. I watched Elvis on HBO and really liked it. Some of the scene changes, internal titles and transitions, as when Elvis on stage in Vegas moves from dialogue with the audience to invective aimed at the manager, remind me of Tarantino techniques. And then Austin Butler, the titular, I hope I said that, titular character, he is remarkable, especially in his physicality as Elvis gyrates, played Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Later this month, I will attend a showing of Everything Everywhere All at Once at the Harold Washington Library downtown. Thank you, Tom. I mean, he's totally responded to things we talked about, and it's kind of cool to hear somebody um, almost like speaking back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, he's just such a guy. I, I wrote him back and just said he's so good at communication and letter writing. I just hope he writes us more. And, and I hope other listeners will write us. See how simple and easy it could be. <laughs> just a few lines. And it's so exciting. <laughs> We're easy to please. We're easy to please. And it was just a, a wonderful to hear from you. And um, yeah, I, you know, I'm watching. uh House of the Dragon. I'm only two episodes in. Um, The other thing is, Eugene, House of the Dragons is set before Game of Thrones. It's kind of the dynasty of the dragon family, obviously. Did did all the the male characters have the same beard like in in Game of Thrones? No, it's confusing in other ways. Because I I couldn't tell who was who. And then in in Game of Thrones, you know what did it for me in Game of Thrones that ended it for me? When I realized (laughs) that just because the character dies doesn't mean he's dead. When the well, characters started reappearing. Still... Well, yeah, but I don't remember that happening in the first season. I thought you, so you did watch more than one season. I may have got through two seasons. Okay. And I don't remember that happening in two seasons either, but maybe. Maybe I second... only heard of it. <laughs> only heard of it. Yeah. You probably only heard of it. Um, but. But I, but I promise I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell one male character from another. Yeah. That's Except the short guy. Cause he looked different. Oh, I love him. He didn't so have a spray on beard. Well, guess what? What? In the topic of House of Dragon, um, Stay and I one, t- one day, probably a couple of weeks ago, somehow we got talking about movies. And he mentioned that he had seen that he was really into Clash of the Titans. I said, oh, my God, me too. I was obsessed with it. I said, I think I owned it. I even owned it and watched it like a million times. It was so cool. Um, do you know that movie? No. Oh, God. It's like from 1980 or 1970 or something like that. It's I don't know what year it is. It's pretty old. Um, But it's like they recreated Medusa. It's all the Greek mythology in this one movie. And at the time, it was it seemed like fantastic special effects. They are they did not hold up well at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's always extra fun. Yeah. But it didn't matter because it doesn't matter because if I just see it on TV, I get like my heart starts beating and I have to watch it. I was like, Stag, I didn't know you liked Clash of the Titans. I thought you didn't like fantasy and all this. He goes, no, no, no. I, 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 he got into that. I said, well, I think then you would like Game of Thrones. So we put it on right away and we're, we're going into, we're well into season two. Wow. And I'm watching it again. Now I watched it when it first came out as it dropped, probably like you did week by week. Right. I didn't binge Mm -hmm. it. I watched it every week. And right now it's very rewarding. I can tell some of the characters apart. <laughs> Not all of them. But I'm all I'm so comfortable because I kind of know where they live. When I used to watch that map, I would be so confused. You know, the opening Game of Thrones map. I'd be like, I don't know where the hell, how far away is that? Now I feel this kind of confidence that I really know the so, world. So watching it the second time around. Are you buying into the whole dragon woman story? Absolutely. Because that, that whole that whole storyline, I thought, oh. just didn't really work. Well, I'm really into dragons, and I was very oh, okay. into dragons um, when I was younger. In there, there, um, Anne McCaffrey, she wrote these great dragon series, um, and my friend Jenny and I read them, and they were amazing. Uh, I was really, really into anything with a dragon, so I love the dragon part of it absolutely just it's incredible to me um and i had forgotten how cute the dragons were when they were first born because <laughs> they just got born and i love the magic and the mystery of who the family is um and that plays out in a different way i feel quite differently about it by the end of the series 
not about the believability though, but just the character's story arc is really intense. And you're right, there is some resurrection. There is some mystical healing, but- I'm- And that should be expected because it is kind of like, it is kind of like those sorts of um, Dungeons and Dragons kinds of role-playing games. Or Excalibur in a way. and King yeah. Arthur, yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there's magic. And there's a, a witch in it that comes in around, oh, I don't know where she really becomes strong in the story. And she's an amazing character as well. But I'm so enjoying it. And I'm 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 angry all over again. <laughs> and the bad guys. Well, because they're very bad. And you're just like, oh my God, these are bad, bad people. Bad, bad people. So this was a bit of exciting news. So Tom, I'm watching Game of Thrones again. And um, and I didn't think I would watch it again, but I'm really enjoying it with Stag and it's it's kind of chill. We're also, I think I'd mentioned that I I turned off Netflix and I've got Disney. And um I'm we're watching Star Wars. So I never could have imagined when I saw Star Wars. Were you exposed time, to like spores or something? No. <laughs> okay, just checking. Why? Because I thought maybe like you've been taken over by aliens. No, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Absolutely. When I saw the movie the first time, I didn't want, I wanted to turn around and go back in the theater. I didn't want to be in the real world. I just wanted to well, live in Star Wars. When, when the first Star Wars movie came out, I was a, in a program called Junior Rangers yes. in, uh, in Ontario. And I was up, um, up around Restool. Yep. And we did, uh, a trip one day where they hauled us out up to uh mm. up to north bay for the day right to i don't know screw around in north bay yeah um, they let us loose in north bay and like <laughs> wow that was exciting so i found a movie theater and there's this this new movie was out and people were talking about it called star wars mm-hmm. so i thought all right well i got a few hours i'm gonna go and uh i'm gonna go and see um see star wars and i went in and I'm not sure if I actually saw a whole half of it or just a third of it. And I thought wandering aimlessly around North Bay was more interesting than watching Star Wars. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not your cup of tea. I, you know, at first, you know, I remember in Calgary where I saw it, they had a sign on the theater saying R2-D2 for mayor. I had no idea what they were talking about, but I thought it was so stupid. And then, um, I don't know, a friend said, hey, we have to go see this. And you know, the rest is history. I became an insane Star Wars fan. And, but there's, you know, every now and then another movie would come out, like three movies. That was it. And you were like, oh my God, thank God there's three movies. But I never would have predicted that they would have the means to do several spin off storylines, backstories of characters that weren't main characters particularly, but might have been beloved in the movies. And I, I can't believe I'm also going to say Disney has done it right. They have spent a lot of money, the sets, the filming, the, the, um, the, the characterizations, the writing is all fantastic and all completely true to the world of Star Wars. It's absolutely fantastic and a joy to watch. I had watched The Mandalorian, you know, probably when we early started on this uh, podcast, but now I'm watching second season. There's Rogue One. There's Boba Fett and there's uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I did watch a, an ep- two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but I'm waiting. We're going to wait for Michelle and Megan to watch the rest of them because uh, we watched them with uh, those two. We're over the other night. And um, it's just so fantastic. And, I, you know, I've always had an, um, a very mixed feelings about Disney. And uh, but they, they and I was so worried when they bought the Star Wars franchise from George oh. Lucas. But the thing so- is, it's fans making these movies. They're the one Disney related thing I do yeah. like yeah. is there was an album of music that came out, I think, in the 80s by Sun Ra and his orchestra. Oh, yeah. Um, called uh, Second Star on the Right. <laughs> um, and it was a tribute to Walt Disney. And, you know, listen to that album. It's fantastic. But it's especially good for their version of This is the Forest of No Return. <laughs> and I, that actually inspired me to do a series of paintings a few years ago. Wow. Um, I cranked it up in my studio. And as uh, they were singing, this is the forest of no return. I was making paintings and it was, a, it was a, quite the event. I enjoyed there it. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know it's not your taste and this is one of the places where you and I diverge in what we like. And that just makes it more interesting, you know? It does. Um, yeah. I, it happens to be something that I really love. And I'm just 
I'm really, it's just fun to watch. Just fun to watch. Well, you know, this week I've watched Diddly Squat. Yeah. And the reason why is <laughs> that um, we've had a house guest. Oh. Um, we've had a house guest from um, England, uh, our friend Tony, who yeah. has been friends with, with uh, Sheila for over 45 years. Wow. Yeah. And they managed to, to keep in touch mm-hmm. all these years. They get together you know, every, uh, every couple of years. And, so fun. Uh, and that's pretty fantastic. So it was great to see Tony and, and Sheila had all kinds of interesting things. Every time Tony comes, Sheila yes. prepares envelopes every day for things that they're going to do. And she doesn't tell Tony, she just gives her the envelope and Tony oh. has to open the envelope and off they go and do these activities. <laughs> so they included a full moon meditation um, session in a, in a Toronto park. Wow. Um, it included a visit to Little Canada, which was apparently highly recommended. They loved it. Oh. They were also at the Illusion Museum. Fantastic. And they came back with these photographs that were all illusions. So like there's one, it shows one person sitting on a chair, but the chair seems really huge for the person. And the person looks really small and the other person is beside looking full size. So that kind of stuff. Very so they did cool. all kinds of stuff like that. And um, on on Tony's last day, um, Sheila had to work, so yeah. Sheila asked me if I would prepare something special for Tony. <laughs> so I immediately thought, well, we're going down to see Dr. K. <laughs> so I contacted Dr. K and said, hey, listen, man, would you consider because Dr. K is a legit master of the tarot, and uh, we asked if he would if he would do a, a reading for for Tony. Amazing. So. So we went down and we 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 met Dr. K Cyanide at the um, at the Queen's Head Pub where we we had lunch and chit chat and then we adjourned to uh, to the doctor's office, which is a, a tavern across the street known as the Duke. The Duke, yes, that's right. Um, and marvelous, uh, uh, marvelous place. Uh, the doctor knows everybody there. We adjourned <laughs> to his office and. Um, he is so good at, at these readings. You know, he lays out the full Celtic cross yes. of cards and, you know, all the cards have roles and they're all interrelated. It's like a spider web. And he manages to pull all this stuff together. And he also does extra cards if you have questions on the, mm. the first set. Um, and he also reads inverted cards. So if you pull yes. up the card and it's upside down, some readers don't do that. Um, but he does um, super fantastic. And I want to give him a little plug. If you're on Facebook, look up Dr. K cyanide. That's with an S Y uh, I N I D E um, on Facebook. And he does a card, a reading of the day and uh, they're really excellent. And I think that you should, um, you should go over and check them out. And while you're at it, contact the doctor and say, I need some of your poetry, man. I need that poetry. Send me that poetry and I'm going to send you cash. So do it now. Yes. Yes. I love so it. We, we had a great afternoon. Um, and, and also he, he read for Tony and then he said, so am I reading for you too? And <laughs> I had not expected this. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't mentally prepared for this. That's Dr. K that's spending time with Dr. K right there. <laughs> that's it. Um, but it was, it was really, it was really marvelous. And um, some of the things that, that he talked about, um, we're so tuned in <gasps> to our lives that it's, it's just remarkable. Wow. Um, I got to say, really, really fantastic. Uh, and plus, he's a great guy and it was fantastic to see him. So yeah. if you're listening out there, uh, uh, Ken, uh, we had a super time. Thank you so much. Hey, Dr. K. Great. That sounds amazing. That sounds really cool. Yeah. And you know, the other thing that I did today, I did, well, this week, I should say, I did two things that are that are most unusual. And the first is I sold a banjo. Oh, can you believe that? Keep no. what, what got into my head? I, I sold know. a banjo just to make more room for uh, more fiddles. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I I really it was time. I I'm starting to get a little bit better at fiddle. It almost sounds like music and less like an industrial accident scene. Uh-huh. Um, and so I thought it's probably time. Um, the bow I've been using was thrown in with a fiddle. 
and mm-hmm. and it plays like a like a bow that's been thrown in. Okay. Um, so I thought I'm gonna go. Um, oh no, I have, we're getting a we're getting a, a an upgrade. This meeting will end in ten minutes. Thing I know we might have to uh, cut this and join it to the next one. Oh my god! Yeah, I forgot because I couldn't I couldn't invite you. I couldn't figure out where it was. Oh, I see, and I'm not upgraded, but you right, are upgraded. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. So we're gonna talk reason, for we're gonna talk for nine more minutes, and then right. we're gonna we're gonna glue it all together, and it'll be <laughs> seamless, and our See, audience won't even know no, that no. I exclaimed, "Oh my God, we're running out of time!" Right. So pretend you didn't started. hear this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, I sold the banjo. Yeah. Um, because I I really wanted to upgrade my bow, and um, right now I have maybe I have more banjos than. I need it could you could say that because um you know I have one of my brother's banjos here and it's really nice and I want to play that one because it was his Mm -hmm. and it's a lovely banjo Mm. so I thought it was time to give up my Bart Ryder banjo wow I put a listing on on Kijiji and you know when you list things on Kijiji usually there's 50 people who contact you and say no will you take 20 bucks for it right 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 but um I guess I guess because Bart Ryder, A, isn't making banjos anymore, and B, has a really solid rec- reputation mm. for making great, consistent banjos. There was a lot of interest, and a fellow from Hamilton came down and uh, and bought the banjo. I, I put the cash in my pocket and immediately made an appointment at a place called the Sound Post, wow. um, where I could go and try out some fiddle boats. <laughs> and I did that this afternoon. I went down oh. to the sound post. It's located on Grenville, which is just north of college, right in tucked in by Women's College Hospital. Mm-hmm. It's a really funny, oddball spot mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't expect there to be a music shop right. there. And fortunately, they have two parking spots there because otherwise parking is very, very difficult in, in that area. Wow. Um, so you make an appointment. They still have COVID protocols going on. Uh, I maybe there's somebody who's like immunocompromised there, uh, but they only let maximum four people in the building, and uh, you have to make an appointment to to try out bows or violins okay. or whatever. Um, so I had asked to to try out a number of bows at various price points yep. and various materials. Oh. So you have bows that well, various meaning two. Uh, <laughs> there's wood bows and a, a nicer bow. And by saying nicer bow, I'm still in the category of cheap bows, okay? <laughs> it's not like like a player who plays for the symphony uh, as first violinist is probably going to have a bow that's worth $10,000. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's out of my snack bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, <laughs> I have a bow that costs one banjo's worth. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I went in there and I'd asked for, for bows at, at different price points because um, one of the things about the... Um, about the the whole violin industry is that everything is upside down. And just because something is more money doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be better. Okay. Plus, plus a bow has to really work well with the fiddle. So sometimes a bow that's less money can play better on a certain fiddle with a certain fiddler than a bow that's more money. So you got to try out the gamut of them and two, two materials, Pernambuco, is a, a kind of wood that uh, is rare these days because uh, I guess it comes from the rainforest mm-hmm. and um, uh, Brazil has got all kinds of sanctions on, uh, on, on the Pernambuco that you can, um, that you can harvest. Although I understand there are people are farming it now, but I don't know much about that. Um, and the other kind of bow these days is the carbon fiber bow. And okay. I like in this, the, the difference kind of like to fly rods right? Okay. To the carbon fiber fly rods uh-huh. and the graphite rods compared to the old school bamboo fly rods, right? They have different characteristics, a different feel. Uh-huh. So I was like a kid in a candy store today. I, I tried out several bows and I narrowed it down. I picked out a few that I just really didn't like. And I narrowed uh-huh. it down to four or five and, um, and then I tried to narrow it down a little bit more and I, and I really wasn't quite sure. So I asked the person who's helping me in the store, 
uh, what she thought. And she's a fiddler as well. And she played them through and she narrowed it down a little bit further. And then I narrowed it down a little bit further. Uh, and we got to the point where I had chosen a wood bow over the carbon fiber. There was okay. one carbon fiber bow that I thought was really, really nice. But the wood bows, there was something about them that they had lots of power, but they also had really nice um, deep lows. They brought out the the uh, the bottoms in, in the fiddle uh, mm. quite a bit. I really liked that. And mm. she brought out three bows that were the same model by the same company. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And it's a, it's a German uh, bow that I was looking at. And the three bows, although they're um, the same model, were distinctly a little bit different. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. And she told me that with the carbon fiber bows, bow to bow, they're very consistent because they're manufactured within for consistency within um, exacting tolerances. But for the wood bows, you're dealing with a stick. Yeah. You're dealing with a stick with some horsehair. Right. Even though the model will have sticks that have a certain characteristic and they'll be kind of alike, each one is handmade and is, is unique. So I settled on one of those um, and I got a little bit of change back from my banjo, which was nice. kind of nice. Yeah. Um, even though I had looked at um, some some bows and tried some bows that were above my budget, mm -hmm. the, the ones that I really liked were a little bit below my budget. Interesting. Yeah. Did you take your violin in with you? Your fiddle? Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. yeah. Because you've got to you've got to use your own right. your own okay. fiddle or else you don't know what it's like on on your fiddle because it's going to be different on somebody mm -hmm. else's fiddle. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would say for anyone who's, you know, getting into playing fiddle or violin, um, that's a great experience to, to try out a bunch of bows. And the first thing that struck, that struck me was um, they were all better, way better than the one I was using. <laughs> they, they were bringing out tones in, yeah. in my fiddle that I didn't even know Fantastic. existed. Are you going to sell that bow now, the old bow? Huh? Are you going to sell the old bow now? Well, first of all, that bow's almost disposable. So uh, I'm not going to say that there's a lot okay. of value. All but, right. you know, selling instruments is very difficult for me. Oh. Accumulating instruments. Is you know, I think I did have a little problem. Uh, I had BAS. BAS. Yes. Uh, banjo acquisition syndrome. <laughs> Okay. You know, where somehow or other you keep accumulating banjos. Yeah. And it's like they were breeding here. So um, I, I've been, you know, I've been working on that problem. I've been trying yeah. to get through it, uh, trying to get past my BAS. And, yeah. and so I now one, uh, one banjo less, except that I'm not really because I have another banjo from my brother. So. <laughs> so now you have BAS, but it's bow acquisition syndrome. Yes. Well, I think this bow is going to be my go-to bow probably for several years. Yeah. Um, I imagine at one point, as I become a stronger player, I'll start looking for different characteristics in, in a mm -hmm. bow. And I may find that this one may become inadequate for me. And at that point, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to try to uh, make that one my backup and, and get another one. Right. So, but it was a, a fascinating exercise. It was really fun. To, yeah. to try to to try to pick out one that sounded just the the best and as it turned out the one that I thought was was the best for my fiddle turned out to be the same one that the person in the store thought was best for my wow. fiddle. wow yeah that's cool, pretty huh? cool very cool super cool all right well you know what I said I was gonna stop and get a Jameson so I guess this is a perfect time to do that all right Jamesons it is all right hold on Jameson and um, 
think we're up and recording. So I know what the problem is. What was the problem? Mercury in retrograde. Oh, yeah. Well, that would explain it, wouldn't it? It does. Okay. So I'm telling you, it started a few days ago. I'm I'm in, I'm just letting it happen, but the universe is just completely crazy. I don't do well in the world anyway, like normal functioning. <laughs> but often Mercury in retrograde really does show up for me and uh, makes everything difficult. And I thought, in case someone doesn't know what it, it jimmies is. It the universe. It's what? It jimmies the universe. It jimmies the universe big time. And, um, you know, they say it affects communication, trans transportation, all of these things. And, I mean, I can't go to my – I can't do any bank functions on first try. I won $20 on a lottery scratch. I couldn't even cash it in because my ticket was wet from a flood flash floods the other day. I had to go home, dry it out, and go back and, and cash my $20 winning. Man. No, it's it's a crazy, crazy thing for me. It's just nuts. And you're supposed to stay calm. You're supposed to just go with the flow and don't fight it. And calm blue I'm, trying, ocean. I'm trying calm blue ocean, calm blue ocean, as Lisa Simpson would say. So that's that's why I blame. So it's no surprise that I can't work my Zoom today. But then why is yours working? <laughs> I think it just works harder on me. That just fucks with my head more. Okay. But I've got my little so, Jameson. And uh, yes, go ahead. Um, I'd like to talk about some books. Okay. Because because I read a book that I haven't talked about. Okay. I'm reading a book that I haven't talked about. All right, great. And I have a pile of books to read that I want to talk about. Fantastic. I haven't read. But maybe if people are interested, we could all read them. And I love it. So uh, the one that I've read, and I would like to invite our readers to our readers, our listeners to read yes, this yes. and you to read this one. Okay. And and maybe we could. Uh, maybe we could ask uh, Special Agent Sarah if she'd be interested in in coming mm -hmm. on to talk about this one because it was her recommendation that mm -hmm. caused me to read this book. It's called Unmask Alice, LSD, Satanic um, Panic, and um, the Imposter Behind the World's Most Notorious Diaries by Rick yes. Emerson. And it's a rollicking read. I gotta say, it's, I mean, it's in a way the writing is kind of trashy, but the story, the story is fascinating. It's fascinating. This, this woman who, who didn't just write Go Ask Alice, wrote other books based on fake diaries. Mm -hmm. It's a very cool book, very interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, she's jumped onto the, onto the trends of the day, you yeah. know. Uh, Go Ask Alice came after after the death of Art Linkletter's daughter, I think. Okay. And anyway, I don't want to get into it now, but I want to invite people to read this one. All right. It's a it's a chunky book, but it's a fast page turner of a of a read. Right. So, and I would classify it as part of the um, area of urban legends because it's it kind of responds to urban legends, creates a new story to warn kids to be careful of certain activities. Yes. Yes. And yes. And this woman it. was sort of get got in the business of doing that. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't wait. I, I'm very curious. I knew and, that. And by the time she got like to the last of them, she had already invented a doctorate. She had invented, wow. uh, she was a psychotherapist, which she wasn't. Wow. Uh, and she was like claiming. Well, why not? She was like, she's a total con person. It was wow. really, it's remarkable. Anyway, yeah, that is pretty cool. The story is great. Uh, I think it's something that uh, would be a great read, a great discussion here on the podcast. Right. That's well, one. Yeah. I, I will say that I read Go Ask Alice at one point and it scared the shit out of me. And then I realized, well, it, that's kind of bullshit. That's just one case. And I proceeded to go and uh, do some mystical traditions with some plant medicine. However, when I found out that it, the news story broke and it was fake, I was like, well, thank God that makes so much more sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So book number two, okay. I was, yeah. I was last week I, I talked about uh, going camping okay. and on my way to go camping, I stopped to get some groceries and in the no frills grocery store, they had a tiny little book section and what should be there in the book section but um, John Le Carre's Smiley's People. Oh. And I've seen the 
the BBC production. So have I with you. you no, know, yeah, multiple times. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be really cool to read the book and see how close they are. Mm. And interesting phenomenon. When you read the book, Alec Guinness was so powerful as George Smiley that it's impossible to read the book without visualizing Alec Guinness as Smiley. And even John Le Carre thought that Alec Guinness was perfect. Wow. That's cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm reading that, even though I know the story, I'm reading that anyway, and it's pretty interesting. And then when we, our house guest got to town, she laid on me three books. Wow. Three, count them three. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you a little bit about them, and maybe uh, we can choose one of these to read as well. Okay. So one of them is called The Reluctant Fundamentalist by Mohsen Hamid. It was shortlisted for the, the Booker Prize in 2007. And here's a bit of the blurb on the back. Excuse me, sir, but may I be of assistance? Ah, I see I have alarmed you. Do not be frightened by my beard. I am a lover of America. So speaks a mysterious stranger at a Lahore cafe as dusk, dusk settles. Invited to join him for tea, you learn his name and what led the speaker of immaculate English to seek you out. For he is more worldly than you might expect, better traveled and better educated. He knows the West better than you do. And he tells you his story of how he embraced the Western dream and a Western woman and how both betrayed him. Mm. So the night darkens. Then the true reason for your meeting becomes abundantly clear. Ooh. Yeah, sounds good, huh? Yeah, it does. Sounds really interesting. So there's that one. Then there is... This one here, it says right on the top, international bestseller. And on the back, a Guardian summer reading pick. And it's called The Pine Islands by Marion Poshman. Um, I've never uh, heard of this one, although the Daily Mail says it's blackly funny and The Guardian calls it miraculous. And it was shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Uh, the blurb on the back. Uh, says, when Gilbert wakes one day from a dream that his wife has cheated on him, he flees immediately and inexplicably for Tokyo, where he meets a fellow lost soul, Yosa, a young Japanese student clutching a copy of The Complete Manual of Suicide. Together, Gilbert and Yosa set off on a pilgrimage to see the pine islands of Matsushima, one looking for the perfect end to his life, the other for a fresh start. Wow. Ah, sounds like a good idea for a book. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that one too. And then the third one, also super interesting. This one is called Without You, There Is No Us, My Secret Life Teaching the Sons of North Korea's Elite. Mm. Uh, three times a day, the students march singing praises to President Kim Jong-il and North Korea. Suki Kim soon learns to tune. It is 2011, and she has accepted a job at the Pyongyang University of Science and Technology, teaching English to sons of the elite. The boys are obedient to the nation, yet seem curious at Suki's hints about the West. Without You, There Is No Us offers a moving and rare glimpse of life inside the world's most inscrutable country. Oh. I've never heard of a book about what goes on inside North Korea. I can't wait to read this one Fantastic. too. Fantastic. That sounds so, really good. Yeah, so I have this pile of books to read. So I'm going to be doing more reading than watching in the, I in love the couple it. of weeks, I think. I love it. That's fantastic. Well, I'm reading too. I reread Dennis McCarthy's novel and we had him on the uh, podcast. We sure did. What a great interview that was. Huh? It was so great. Back in March. Yeah, that was fantastic. And we did not tell our listeners, but something came out of that. Um, we had a few back and forth email. And then one of the people who's with the McCarthy Society, the Cormac McCarthy Society, um, approached Dennis and said, you know, they started an email. And then he said, listen, we're having a conference in September in Savannah. Dennis, would you come and be on a round table? And Dennis said, well, I will. But can you ask Candy to be on it as well? And so um, wow. coming up. That was really generous of him. Fantastic. <laughs> It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And um, so that is coming down the pipes right now. It's happening soon. I'm going to be going on the road and um, down to oh, Savannah. We could, can we do a podcast from Savannah? I, think I don't we think can. we've done any Georgia. No, I don't think we have. 
The agency and, does Georgia. Right. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> a good idea. That'd be a great idea. And um, and um, I also am reading because I mentioned on the podcast that something about his novel, and I was trying to articulate, reminded me of The Last Temptation of Christ by Nikos Kazansatsky, which I could not say his name at the time. I've been practicing since. So mm -hmm. I've kind of got that. I read that a long time ago and I'm kind of pulled out to see what was it that I was thinking, you know, like, can I pinpoint that? Now, a round table, it's not like a presentation. You're going to be discussing things, but I still thought I would try and go through that and uh, be ready. I'm going to try and tie it into something to do with surprise and speculative fiction, where a character who has died actually secretly stays alive. Um, which is, you know, the gospel according to Billy the Kid. And in this one, um, Christ has a um, has a vision that he has a whole other life. And he lives it and gets married and has kids. And um, these parallel worlds are in there. So it, I think that was part of why I, I was intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I'm well, that's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going to drive south and get to Savannah and be there for a few days. And then I'm going to drive. I've got a little mini and contract. make friends of all the people on oh, the round table. Of course. Absolutely. Well, because, I, you know, we love guests. We love guests. I will. Hopefully somebody will come on the podcast. And um, I read the program. It looks like there's all kinds of fantastic papers. And of course, I already have seen a, a number of these people at other conferences. So that's going to be really fun, too. Um, you met one of them, Nell, in Houston um, many oh, years yes, ago, yes, 2007. Yes. So I saw her again at, at, a, at a similar conference in Memphis in 2015. That's right. We, we, we met at the barbecue joint with the giant armadillo with the glowing mm -hmm. eyes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I remember that now. And I would love it if you could find that picture that you took of us arm wrestling. I don't know how you're going to find that in all your files of thousands. Of oh, I only have like 50,000 photos. I'll I go know. through that right away. I know. If you could. When you I come guess, to visit, I'll just turn you loose. In I was going to say every time we should have put me on the computer because you can go back into the dates, right? We should be able to find fall of 2007. I yeah, well, knowing the date is a start because right. I'm I'm like Billy Pilgrim, unstuck in time. And <laughs> really, time is, for me, is compressed in a way that I, I really don't know when things happen. I have a real trouble knowing when things happen. Uh, the chronology of it, everything is gets mixed up in my Well, that's world. because there's no such thing as time. Even, boy, George knew that when he's saying, time won't give me time. So there is that yeah, whole well. reality that's part of a mystical experience is when you realize that there is no such thing as time. We made it up. And if you have that experience, then you're like, well, I guess I could have a different relationship with time. I think this is the first time Boy George has been referenced on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> David Bowie also sang about the illusion of time as well. But uh, Time Won't Give Me Time is a good example. And also, by the way, it's it keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. That's true. That does yeah. portray it very well as well. Yeah. yeah. Who did that song? Um, Steve Miller Band. Was it? Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was Gary Wright. But no, he did Dreamweaver. That's right. right. Also a very interesting mystical song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what else have I got here? Um, yeah. So I just feel like, oh, but that's not all. Then I'm going to drive up. I've got a mini contract on the East Coast in Connecticut to do a little bit of work up there. So I'm going to go up there. Yeah. Well, what's in Connecticut? I have I've never been to Connecticut. I've been to many states in the United States, but I've never been to Connecticut. Well, it's not far from where the Woodwards lived. Paul and Joanna Woodward. Remember, I watched their documentary a while ago. I was trying to get you to watch it, The Last Movie Stars, but you didn't have the streaming service. That's or right. I couldn't get here. it. So it's going to be kind of fun to drive through their town knowing now what I know from that documentary. But um, I have a college buddy and he lives there. So I'm going to go up and do stuff and I'm going to make him a custom caftan. He's going to pick out his fabric and I'm going to sell that. And um, we're going to get up to some mischief and, uh, and some odd jobs and whatever we end up doing. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. I'm hoping to get down to Manhattan too, because it's about a 40 minute drive. You know, it really? it's I had no idea minute. it was that close. It's very close. Well, where do you think? Well, I, I guess it's kind of like a megalopolis, right? Where everything's scrunched together and it's really all one blob of America. Well, these with are different all, accents. Yes, but this is all the neighborhoods like Rob Petrie in um, uh, Dick Van Dyke. He lived in Rochester. 
and he went to work in Manhattan. So these are all trains that are set up for people to commute. commute Rochester on. to Manhattan. That's not close. It's not close. But where did he live? No, maybe he didn't live in Rochester. Where did he live? Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know. know. But, you know, I'm trying to give you an example of that people would commute. Mad Men, he commuted, I yeah. believe, to Manhattan. So it's it's a thing. The trains are very efficient and fantastic. And so I could pop on a train or I could drive downtown. So, you know, I'm hoping that's going to be in the in the uh, upcoming schedule as well of fun things to do. Um, Did you, I just, you know, popped into my mind when you start talking about that. Do you remember a, a song called uh, it was the train or men on the train by the roaches? No, it's a it's a song about they're that kind of New York harmony singing group. They're really great, mm. um, but they do the song about like being on the commuter train and and like having people sitting down beside you and and has lyrics like i was miserable and he was miserable (laughs) we were miserable (laughs) well there's a great movie called falling in love a very literal title but it's with robert de niro and meryl streep and a lot of people haven't seen it it was the first time the first time de niro played a very different character from his his sort of stereotype, you know? Mm -hmm. So Andrew and I met at UVic in college time. I was writing for the school paper and I was sent out to to interview half a dozen to 10 students about their thoughts on abortion. And I went out with a photographer and I, my little notebook, I literally was, I didn't record. I was writing down what people said and, and the photographer, she was taking photos. So Andrew was one of the people I interviewed and we became friends you know, all these years later. And um, so we were kind of, you know, we have that really fun. We were talking on the phone the other night when we were making these plans, realizing, isn't it a funny way that we met? You know, (laughs) he was one of my um, interviewees. And then it was about abortion being, if it was controversial back then, isn't that just insane how some things changes and some things don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We almost went we had a couple of days at stake, had a couple of days off and we've had a pretty good time. We're house sit, we're cat sitting for Michelle and Megan and um, they're off on a trip. And um, so we've been going over to their house. Good for them. Yeah. They're having a wonderful holiday long overdue. They're very busy and they don't get to go do, you know, sometimes they go to see their family, of course, and that's a holiday, but this is just their trip and they go south. And um, so we're cat sitting. Stag and I were hanging out. What's the cat's name? There's three cats. Three Blinky. cats. That's we call that a good start. I know. Blinky, kitten, and algae. And it's algae for little black, ah. little gray, but it sounds like algae. And algae, they all came from outside. Um, I hope it's okay. I talk about their their cat compound because they have a cat compound. You know about that. And they've got little condominiums that they've built outside in their backyard with insulation and bedding and straw and nice. fabric. And the cats can sleep outside and they feed outdoor cats. But this one little kitten, she's gotten a little bit older and she was there with her mom, but her mom's just left her in their backyard and um, algae. And now she's coming into the house with the other cats. It's pretty exciting. Once they, once they cross the threshold, <laughs> you know, they, when we lived on Blackthorn Avenue, which was in little Portugal in Toronto, there it was an area where there was lots of stray cats mm. and they would come by to, you know, looking for digs. And they come by and some of the cats, our cats would chase them off the property. Like, no, get out of here. You can't, you can't stay here. And then other cats, they decide, yeah, you're okay. Mm -hmm. You know, give it your best shot. Mm. And I remember there was one, we ended up giving, giving him two names. The first name was Rossi, um, but we also called him ABC. You know why? (laughs) always be closing yes because he spent about two weeks trying to close the deal every time we get to the door he'd jump up on this little bench up front and just say hi Uh you know it would be really nice if i crossed that threshold and maybe had just a little snack in there why don't you let me cross in there and we resisted for a while but he was so charming Mm. and he was one of those cats that was playful and liked to be with you but you couldn't pick him up okay so you you tried to pick him up it's defcon one <laughs> uh, so this went on for years and mm. we we had this guy he's like a handyman kind of dude he was doing some some work for us at the time and we mentioned that you can't pick rossi up because for fear of your life mm. and we didn't know that he had a secret relationship with rossi and oh. he said 
What do you mean you can't pick him up? And he proceeded to pick up Rossi <laughs> and turn him upside down and scratch his belly. And Rossi wow. was just purring. And wow. then like looked at us like, oh shit, they know. Oh, wow. That's great. I love it. That's a He never story. did let us pick him up. Very funny. Well, in amongst the house sitting and everything, we thought, I said, oh, well, you've got these days off. I noticed a billboard that really intrigued my um, interest because years ago, well, years ago, I'm going to say, I think I looked it up. It's like 2002 or 2003. I read an article in Vanity Fair about the fashion designer, Bill Blass. And American designer and um, kind of upscale executive suits and, and beautiful dresses. And this article was about how Bill Blass had grown up kind of in a boring um, life in um, Midwest America. And he went into the Second World War and he was put onto this battalion called the Camouflage Battalion. And they basically created a ghost army where they made inflatable tanks, mannequins, and it was all decoys for the Germans to think that there was one maneuver happening over here so that the other maneuvers would be um, not noticed. And I was so intrigued by this. Um, it just was a really, this, this stayed with me all these years. So when I saw the billboard for this show called Ghost Army, it's at the Holocaust Museum. I said to stay, we have to go. I just have to go and see this. Um, we haven't gone yet. It's open till January 2nd in Chicago, um, in Skokie, one of the Chicagoland um, suburbs. And I'm pretty excited to see it. We didn't make it this week, but we will make it in a couple of weeks. But I wanted to read out um, this uh, opening excerpt from uh, Vanity Fair that I read because I had to go look it up because I kept telling Stag, oh, it was just captivated me. So here's the first couple of paragraphs. Um, it was called, um, I think it's called, I'll share it on Facebook too, um, Ain't We Swell or something. Ch so here it is. Child, and it's an excerpt from his memoir. I never did read his memoir. Childhood bores the hell out of me. I think it bored me even as a child, although I am certainly aware that I had it not been for the joylessness, colorlessness, and fatherlessness of my small town Indiana childhood, I might not have gone anywhere. People today speak about the character building qualities of the miserable childhood, but I can tell you from experience, there's nothing like the dull, unattractive childhood to give a bedazzled boy the right push. The beauty of my upbringing was in its plainness, and there was the consoling feature everyone we knew in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and everyone they knew were in the same plain boat. As a consequence of having little money ourselves and no social standing above my mother's widowed respectability, and even here we might have stood to gain some ground if my father had died instantly and unambiguously in a highway crash rather than by a self-inflicted gunshot wound in our front parlor. I learned, perhaps in that single isolating moment, I was five, how to occupy myself. In this stiff upper lip wholesomeness, there was surely somewhere a budding genius for avoiding anything unpleasant or ugly. What else am I to make of an a drawing I did at the age of six showing a butler serving drinks in a Manhattan penthouse, other than perhaps an advanced knowledge of where the better customers lodged. But at that time, in a life in general way, I was happy. And don't forget the world was a different place then. It didn't take much to amuse a kid, and everybody had troubles on account of the Depression. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. We didn't make it yet, but um, it should be a great show. Sounds most interesting. Yeah. I just love that wiliness because we hate Nazis. And I just love them trying to outthink in war maneuvers. And then he became a famous a fashion designer. In fact, he's one of the few people. Have you ever seen Versailles in 73? No. Oh, well, I think it's on, um, I don't know what chat. It's, maybe it's on Amazon. And Versailles in 73 is a fashion show. Some people would call it the fashion show. Because what happened was... Um, you had America starting to have these designers and they were, you know, Halsted, Halston and um, Stephen Burroughs and Bill Blass and Anne Klein. They got invited to come and do this double show with French designers and they took over the Palace of Versailles. Um, someone donated a lot of money to clean up the walls and clean up the palace because they fade. All the wallpaper fades and the paint fades. In 1973, and Liza Minnelli was brought with the Americans to open up the show. 
And they did this fashion show and it's an incredible documentary. I highly recommend it. And Bill Blass was one of the designers in it. He doesn't feature a lot. You see a lot more of Stephen Burroughs work, but it's a really cool documentary. And that was the entrance of American design becoming um, international and mainstream. And it, it's pretty funny because um, the French set up this really archaic kind of stage with theatrical settings and the Americans didn't do anything, but they had these fabulous models that had so much personality that they just broke the barrier between uh, models and the audience. That great American freedom and know-how that we've lost. <laughs> so there's that. We hit a quiet time. Yeah, dead okay. air. Dead air on a podcast. Dead air. Can't well, that's that. because I'm sipping my Jameson. Yeah. <gasps> Very delicious. Well, I've told you all I know. I know. Well, that's okay. Time won't give me time. <laughs> so if you'd you like to contact us here at the agency to complain <laughs> that we have dead air or um, whatever it is. Um, I call it sipping Jameson. Well, just don't bother. But if, in, in fact, you have something more constructive and interesting than just a complaint, we'd love right. to hear from you. Right. Actually, you know, I'm kidding. We like complaints, too. We're desperate. We definitely want complaints. I want to hear uh -huh. that. I want to hear that. Um, there could be complaints tonight because I'm going to try and put this together all split up in two, and I think it'll be okay. And we are a little bit late this week. And we are a little bit we're late. late. We're late for a very important date. <laughs> all right, and I'll talk to you soon next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Trip and